Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome back to the Weak Side Podcast alongside teammate Jenny Vrentis. I'm Connor Orr. And uh, Jenny, it feels like after week two, for some reason, uh, more so than other years, we have an idea of the teams who are going to compete and the teams that just really, for whatever reason, um, the roster wasn't ready. Um, they weren't able to navigate this difficult sort of non-existent preseason. Who knows? I mean, but it seems like we're already starting to see the difference between um, the teams that are going to be relevant in December and the teams that are going to be relevant in uh, May, I guess, when you talk about the, uh, the race for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it feels like these first two weeks have been really clarifying, Connor. And maybe we would always say that at this juncture of the season, but this feels more than normal. It feels like we can really write off a bunch of teams. Um, it feels like we have, we're seeing certain teams be the versions that we hoped they might be in November and December, already in September. So um, I feel like it's been an instructive two weeks, and I guess the rest of the season will bear out how much... Uh, we could really draw from these two weeks how accurate a predictor they were. But the way it feels like right now, I, I just feel like we could easily divide the field into contenders and pretenders. 
Yeah, I would say that um, for those of us follow, uh, who follow the show, um, Jenny and I revealed our picks last week, and um, you know the big theme there was that it was heavily ornith- ornithological, which means that we both really liked all the bird teams. And I would say that after two weeks, feeling less good about falcon bird and eagle bird, um, but cardinal bird seems to be doing okay. You know, and great about seahawk bird, and great about seahawk bird, raven yeah. bird. So raven bird, you know, yeah. we were. We've been on on a couple of them, but yes, I would say that Eagle Bird was the big miss for both of us. <laughs> that would be a good William Hill prop bet is like, you know, you would bet, uh, you know, like 10 to 1 odds on a bird team winning the Super Bowl. Like that would be a fun one. Maybe we should uh, we should talk to our former one. coworker and friend uh, Max Meyer, who works over there now. Um, I like that idea. Yeah. Um, but what do you say? Let's jump into the topics here. Um, I'll read the first one. And uh, this, sort of the theme of the first two topics of, uh, of the show this week is going to be chaos in New York, if I had to subtitle it. Uh, Jenny and I have both covered the Jets and the Giants as daily beat reporters, and there's nothing like that intense sort of squeeze when both teams start 0-2 and, and you start getting that whiff of, of just strangeness in the air with the Jets. It could be another coaching change with the Giants. It could be a general manager change. But we'll, we'll get to all that uh, coming up here. So uh, the Giants are without Saquon Barkley now for the remainder of the 2020 season after the running back tours ACL on Sunday against the Bears. Um, Barkley will return next year in the final non-option year of his rookie contract. So, Jenny, I'll ask you, will Dave Gettleman be able to use this as an excuse to keep uh, this rebuild going, or will the way that the Giants look without Barkley speak for itself? Meaning, you know, here's all the rest of the stuff I've been doing, and here's what it looks like. Yeah, there are a lot of questions to be had for the Giants moving forward. I will say, Connor, after week one, you and I were talking a little bit about this re- related to Saquon obviously before he was injured, but just the question that there has been since he was drafted, would his prime years align with a period of time when the Giants could contend or would it be too long before the Giants would be good enough that it would matter that you had a good running back? And And I said to you after week one, I said, well, hey, the Giants looked pretty good. They lost to the Steelers, but I thought they played them really tough. I I was surprised that they kept that game close over a a Steelers defense that is excellent. Uh, And then week two happened. Um, Obviously, the Barkley injury was not something anyone saw coming, but just overall, it didn't seem like the same team that looked like it might be rounding the corner a little bit in week one. And you don't want to react too much to one game or the other, but... um, Yeah, I think you have to kind of square away what Joe Judge's plans are for the team and compare that to what Dave Gettleman has done since he's taken over as the Giants GM and do those plans match moving forward. It seems like, and and again, Joe Judge wanted to make it uh, overtly clear when he got the job that he's not Bill Belichick and he's not Nick Saban. Those are the two coaches that he worked for. He's like, I'm, I'm not one of these castaway, you know, guys that's going to just copy the two of them and do everything that they did. That being said, you have Dave Gettleman who basically said, like, I know what a championship team looks like and smells like, and I'm going to build it in this exact way. We're going to have to run the ball, and we're going to have to stop the run, and we're going to have to rush the rush the passer. And I'm going to pour all of my draft capital and free agency and resources into that idea. Joe Judge comes from New England where their philosophy is every week is a new week. We have to be 
amoebic enough to beat every single opponent on our schedule in a different way. And so some weeks will need to be a power team. Some team weeks will need to be a finesse team. What players can we get and put together that can sort of make it all work that way? And I don't think that those two things are the same thing, which is going to be interesting moving forward because I don't. We're in year three now of what Gettleman is building, which I think is probably close to a fair amount of time to say, okay, what did we get for all of this? And you know, first and second round draft picks on the offensive line. You traded for another first round pick. You spent. Uh, you you signed the highest free agent contract in NFL history at the time for a tackle in Nate Solder, who's not playing this year because of um, you know COVID fears, um, but. That's a lot of capital to put into this idea. And it's like, okay, how much longer do we want to keep this going? Yeah, and you hope that you build something. The idea was always to build something to set up drafting a quarterback. So then when mm-hmm. you get your quarterback, you put him in a situation where he has a better offensive line and he has this running back that can help take pressure off the quarterback. And now you're in a situation where obviously those plans change drastically. Uh, the biggest thing that Dave Gettleman will be judged on is the Daniel Jones pick, but very close behind that is the Saquon Barkley pick. And Ideally, those two work together, that Barkley helps Jones be better. Um, And now you're in a situation where it's Jones' first full year as a starter, and, you know, you're missing that key piece of the offense that you thought would make him better. So how do you kind of judge his development in a less-than-perfect situation this year? Yeah, I mean, it's not fair to Daniel Jones. It's probably not fair to... The offensive line. I bet that in a way, Dave Gettleman viewed, and he, he had said, kind of alluded to as much that, you know, Saquon gets the tough yards. He's a tough running back. And so there's a way there to negate some of the development on the offensive line while they're gelling together, or in that case, you're breaking in a new rookie left tackle, all that kind of stuff. And so this is a really difficult and grim scenario. But, and, you know, I, you know, I hope this is going to come out the right way, but if you're a coach, you can never put, or a GM, you can never put that much weight on the shoulders of the most injury-prone position in the sport. It's just a hard thing to do when you're building this all on a foundation of a running back. They say, okay, the running back's going to make the passing game better. He's going to make the offensive line better. He's going to do all this stuff for us. You know, at what point do you kind of look and say, okay, I mean, maybe the other side does have a point here and that this was a pretty risky thing for me to start doing. And that's where I think the brilliance of what New England has built comes in is because they don't build it on any one thing all of the time. It's they build it on what works in today's game and adjust accordingly and find out ways to put together a roster of players that can do the thing that the league is most susceptible to in any given week or season. Yeah, it's interesting. So I'll, I'll ask you to read news topic number three because we're going to switch. This is part two of chaos in New York. All right. The Jets were blown out by a hobbled 49ers team that lost Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Raheem Mostert, and Jimmy Garoppolo on Sunday, leading Adam Gase to say that he is, quote, pissed. Do we think that owner Christopher Johnson's words of affirmation last week still stand, or should we be on the lookout for Greg Williams to become the interim head coach for the 30th time in his career? Big Greg. 
little bit Look, of humor there. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that you and I are both in agreement that we liked the Adam Gase hire. I think there's probably still some things that we do like about him being the head coach. Um, one of the, the interesting stats that I had heard about him, um, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, is that he has never coached a team um, that has not finished better than their Pythagorean win-loss, which means that they finish better than um, you know this equation that kind of takes into all sorts of different things into consideration how good your team team should be. Um, he has never coached a team that has lost fewer games than expected, and he's had really bad rosters for a long time. Now, working against him is, is Sam Darnold developing? How good does Ryan Tannehill look in Tennessee? And, you know, I think if you're Christopher Johnson, who has to make this decision, and you're an organization that has typically struggled to ignore public pressure, uh, this is going to be a difficult one to keep going, even though common sense might say you should push through this difficult period. Yeah, I think that's really well said, and it's an important consideration. You and I, when we covered the Jets and Woody Johnson was in charge, one thing you always had to be aware of in covering the team was that Woody was susceptible to public pressure, that it did make an impact. I think since Christopher has been leading the team while Woody is fulfilling his ambassadorship, I think Christopher has tried to be less so. Uh, I think he's made a concerted effort to show that he's less reactive to public pressure. I think probably his comments in week one asserting confidence in Adam Gase for an effort to do that, to sort of quiet the conversations that were going on. But I think Gase is in a tough situation here. I was with you also, Connor. I liked the hire. I thought there was merit behind it. Um, And I thought that Adam Gase had a chance to really help Sam Darnold take the steps forward. But the biggest, uh, the biggest opinion that I had with the Adam Gase hire is that that is a very difficult choice to make to Mm -hmm. choose to use both of your consecutive head coaching opportunities in the AFC East. I said the same thing with Rex when he went from the Jets to the Bills. You're going from the Dolphins to the Jets. You're signing up for a block of years of your career to essentially be chasing Bill Belichick. And I I was questioning that decision for those reasons. Why not take a, a year off or, you know... You could be an offensive consulting job. I know that's easier said than done, but I think a lot of times the the right opportunity is more important than immediately taking another opportunity. Um, but obviously the quarterback was a selling point for him, and he thought there was an opportunity with Darnold. But this roster was a mess when he took over. This situation with the team is perpetually a mess they're always in the cycle of head coach then gm and alternating hires back and forth and uh there's just so much to overcome in new york in order to get the team back in a winning direction and uh, things aren't going well right now but he also took a lot on he probably bit off more than he could chew yeah i think that the what, what we found is the best move is to take a year off is to Hi, uh, have a national reporter come and do a story on you about all the things that you're learning and all the new cool things that you're going to do and then get hired and just don't do any of them. And, you know, and then just go back to exactly what um, you were doing before, which, mm-hmm. by the way, a hat tip to uh, Stephen Ruiz from USA Today, who went back and reread everything that Mike McCarthy said he was going to do and then 
and then just took him to task on it. Like he used no pre-snap motion in week one. Like all the things that he said that he learned from the offseason, <laughs> there was just zero of it in the Cowboys game plan, which I uh, got a kick out of, and that was a nice job there. But yeah, I mean, credit to Adam for having that fearlessness. And, you know, he certainly played Belichick tough sometimes. Um, with those Miami teams, there was always that sort of one perplexing Patriot loss to the Dolphins every year when he was on that mm-hmm. team. But uh, you just wonder, like, is everything going to come together for the Jets at some point? Because I think you made this point when we were talking earlier, but there are ways to lose. And then there are losses on Sunday where for an entire half, the team doesn't have its starting quarterback. You're ripping off 50, 60 yard runs, which you're just gutting and sort of a very bad visual um, for anybody that's watching uh, the game. And it's just, uh, it's one of those that's going to be really difficult for him to come back from. And you don't have time. You don't have time to rebuild your relationships. You didn't have an off season to solidify some of your friendships and stuff with players and it's it's just a a bad situation that might get worse really quickly yeah exactly I think a couple of the marks against Gase right now are some of the in-game decision making going for field goals when you're trailing by a large margin Uh, certainly Darnold looking uncomfortable or potentially that he's regressed and yeah a lot of the the chatter with players you know there's been Obviously, Jamal Adams was displeased when he left uh, and now is on cloud nine in Seattle. Um, But there's been stuff with Le'Veon Bell. And so you kind of look at the player management side of things, too. Um, It's a difficult situation, but it certainly hasn't gone well. And it's hard to imagine it could could go much worse. I love that you brought up field goal kicking situations, with which dovetails perfectly into our third topic, which is the Chargers surprised the football world by starting rookie Justin Herbert on Sunday against the Chiefs following a pregame chest injury to Tyrod Taylor. And they also surprised the analytics world by punting on fourth and inches in <laughs> overtime, handing the ball back to the best quarterback in football. They lose. And like the Golden Corral buffet, Jenny, there is a lot to digest here, and it's not very easy to do so. Where do we start? I've never eaten at Golden Corral. Is You've that never similar? eaten at Golden Corral? Is it similar to like a Ponderosa? Golden Corral is like old country buffet. Did you ever, okay. did you ever eat at old country buffet? Not really in my wheelhouse, no. We went there on a school field trip once, and I'll never forget loading up my plate with what I believed at the time to be chicken nuggets, and then sat down. Um, and I always, you, I dip my chicken nuggets in honey. And so I got a big bowl full of honey from the tea station and I was just ready to just rip in there, dip the thing in the honey, bit into it. And it was, it was a lot, it was a fried lima bean nugget, but like not all, it was like one lima bean and then just like, like almost like a quarter cup of just the juice from the can. Oh my God. It was one of the worst things what? I had ever eaten in my life. And then I went to the bathroom um, and there was just a kid who was not at our school who was just laying on the floor, getting sick and wondering where his parents were. And I was like, we have to leave the Golden Corral immediately. And wow. yeah, wow. so I, I had to get out of there. I think we were going to the mall to go Christmas shopping uh, as a school. Uh, but yeah, what a miserable experience that was. Yeah. Well, I've had plenty of those kinds of like Ponderosa, Big Boy, mm-hmm, those kinds of mm-hmm. restaurants. I just must have never intersected with the Golden Corral. Pennsylvania must just school. be the largest per capita. <laughs> I mean, we both grew up there. I mean, the largest per capita houser of all these just obscure, terrible 
buffet restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, to your point, a lot to digest, <laughs> not easy to do so. Let's start with the fact that Justin Herbert finds out seconds before kickoff that he is starting. I think this is a pretty impressive feat of coaching that you have a rookie quarterback who was thought to need some time to develop and learn the system. Uh, he comes to the team in the middle of a pandemic where there's not a normal off season. Uh, and he enters a game having zero expectation that he's going to start and yet he's ready to play. So that is a coaching win. Like that is a big reflection of they got this guy ready in a weird off season and a week when he wasn't getting the reps in practice. I mean, this is not a player that has gotten first team reps, right? So, and he didn't even have a preseason game. So I think the fact that Herbert one in there it's a reflection of both the coaching staff and his capacity to handle things tony romo was really praising him on the broadcast and deservedly so that was remarkable to see him use his legs use his arms score early touchdowns to have a lead on the chiefs um but yes connor ultimately it kind of came back to this fourth down decision um that i'm sure anthony lynn would like to have back it's uh so uh, somebody ran the numbers on it and he decreased his team's uh, chances of winning by 7% um, by punting the ball back. But that feels low to me, right? Like it's overtime, it's sudden death now, any score wins and mm -hmm. you're just handing the ball back. And I guess if you followed his line of logic, I could probably say that there was a, a reasoning there. I mean, Gus Bradley has historically always coached well against the Chiefs, uh, especially when he's been uh, Lynn's defensive coordinator. Bosa was a, a one-man wrecking crew that, that, that game, and so you were hoping, okay, one sack pins them deeper, um, and what's more likely? But um, at the same time, I mean, d your rookie quarterback was red hot. You probably had a play. Like, remember that, that Thursday night game last year between the two? Um, that was that epic one where he won going for two, and there were so many trick plays that they had um, up their sleeves to beat the Chiefs. Like, you had that ag aggressive mentality. I'm wondering why you didn't sort of dial back into that and, uh, and sort of, uh, I don't know, use something there in that moment to try to beat the Chiefs. It's funny you mentioned that, Connor, that game where they won at Arrowhead, I mm -hmm. believe, yeah. was the first thing that came to mind because I remembered how aggressive they were in going for two and going for the win. Um, so it was surprising to see them not be that aggressive. And I can imagine part of the thinking was the defense had been playing really well and they had a rookie quarterback who hadn't prepared at all for that week, but it had been going well to that point. Um, and just the risk of giving the ball back to Mahomes is, is so great. But yeah, I would be interested to hear a little bit more of a in-depth conversation with Lynn about kind of what went into that moment. Here's the question now, and uh, Lynn did say that as soon as Tyrod Taylor is healthy, he he is the starting quarterback, um, but it, can you go back now? I mean, unfortunately, and you hate to say this, we, we both um, really were uh, believers in Tyrod this offseason. Almost the same exact thing happens to him mm -hmm. in Cleveland where he sits down and then Baker Mayfield comes in and has the game that he has and, and never lets go of the starting job. Can you go back to Tyrod Taylor at this point? Yeah, it surprised me that he made that commitment um, post-game. 
depending on how serious Taylor's injury is, and again, this is Monday, so things could change by the time the episode comes out. Maybe they do stick with Herbert out of default. Maybe Taylor has a serious injury and wouldn't be medically safe for him to play. But yeah, I was surprised that Lynn made that commitment after the game. Um, you know, I know sometimes coaches say we don't want a guy to lose the job because of injury, but in this situation, when you saw the way that Herbert played, uh, it seemed to energize the team. It's, uh, I just, I think it would be really difficult to go back from that. Obviously, you go back through the learning curve, more tape is accumulated on you, you will hit those struggle points. But um, I think we were talking about this leading up to the draft. I mean, he does just give that offense such a vertical element that they don't have. I think it opens up a lot of the things that um, Anthony Lim wants to do um, with that system. So I don't know. It's going to be tough. But either way, you feel for Tyrod for this to happen. I mean, you want to know this is your chance. Um, you know, I think this is probably a long term audition for him in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. But man, that's a. Uh, that's that's a tough one there yeah it's a really tough situation you saw taylor on the sideline clearly struggling and then he ultimately goes to the hospital and yeah just eerily similar to the situation in cleveland um you know but you draft a rookie in the first round to play him this was sooner than they expected but it also went better than they probably expected I know that our colleague Albert Breer likes to, especially when we would have meetings, would always say that, oh, there's no such thing as sitting the rookie, and he has that list that he tweets out, and Albert, we love you, but this was the year that I was going to smack the face of that logic, right? And we had felt that from day one. Tyrod Taylor was supposed to start, you know, I I imagined him going to the bye week, you know. Um, Tua was going and and still is on the bench, but these players were going to sit and now it just feels like, man, this is all starting over again and it's so cyclical that some way, shape, or form, these rookies always find their way onto the field before their time. Miami's 0-2 now, so at what point do you start looking at that offense and wondering what they're going to do? Mm-hmm. Right. That's another question. Yeah, definitely interesting conversations regarding the rookie quarterbacks this year. And but we can't give Albert has. credit for this. It's situational, Albert. You know, it's situational. situational. Definitely, you know. definitely. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. By the way, I love this topic for number four. I think it's one of my best ones yet. All right. Shall I read it, Connor? Let's do it. All right. The Seahawks topped the Patriots 35 to 30 on Sunday night football to climb to 2 and 0. Russell Wilson leads the league in touchdown passes. DK Metcalf beat the best cornerback in football for a touchdown, and Jamal Adams looks like the player the Jets were intending to develop. I feel like Amani on this season of Married at First Sight when I say, "This all seems really good, but is it happening too fast?" Can this really be true? Gosh, this is a great topic. And the listeners of this show who do not watch Married at First Sight will not appreciate how great of a reference this is. But I have to believe or hope that we have some Married at First Sight listeners and they will be like, yeah, Connor really nailed this topic. So for those of you, I can give you like a 10 second, you know, uh, cliff notes here. I'm Married at First Sight, you know, you get that you meet your wife as she's walking down the aisle. A team of experts matches you up. And Imani this season is with a guy named Woody, who's a little bit flashier, and he he tends to fall in love very quickly. And so he's 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 doing all these really nice things right away, uh, which is nice, but is also concerning to her because you know what what's what's going to happen in the long term here. Is this is this just a, a fun? moment or is this a lifetime commitment and i have to imagine seattle fans are feeling the same way yeah well i think this is really well worded connor because it's just this is what you were hoping for this season i mean this is, this is everything what, they've always asked for right yes this is what connor Orr has been predicting and <laughs> preaching for a while now <laughs> seeing russell wilson be allowed to turn things loose now i will say um that that last possession before they gave the ball back to the Patriots did raise some questions uh, mm-hmm. about how far they are willing to go to keep their foot on the gas. So that is something to analyze. But Wilson has, what, nine touchdowns mm-hmm. this season, one interception, which came off a deflection. Um, just been fantastic. And we always known that he 
can do all of these amazing things. So it wasn't like we were w- watching Russell Wilson's fantastic deep ball for the first time, or, you know, we weren't watching some of these remarkable plays that he makes for the first time. You wrote a cover story about it earlier this year, but I think it was just, um, I think it's seeing the, I don't know, like the floodgates open a little Mm -hmm. bit. Like it's like all of the time. And there's like less of the frustration that we've had in past seasons with Wilson. I wonder what it was that finally, you know, broke that down. I mean, maybe the Seahawks were less confident in the running game than they've been in the past. You know, they used to kind of have this platoon of of hard running feature backs and, you know, they would just be able to run you to death every game and, and maybe it's less so, but his ability to weaponize the deep ball um, has always been known, but now they're just taking advantage of it. And I guess you have to credit too, um, to TK Metcalf for taking a lot of strides. I mean, we're looking at this now and wondering how he fell to the third round of the NFL draft. I mean, he's as dependable as any receiver. The knock on him, right, was that he was all physique and that he was going to drop a lot of these balls. But I mean, he's every bit as as reliable. Um, Lockett and his relationship with Wilson has only flourished. And so all of a sudden, this is just a really dangerous offensive team. And what you're wondering, if you're me, is John Schneider is already one of the most aggressive general managers in the sport. He's already traded away next year's first-round pick for Jamal Adams and has made it clear that they plan on competing and picking at the end of the rounds anyway for the coming years. You wonder if he's going to try to make another move here, something to really... Um, like just keep this going because it would it would align sort of with his own aggressive mentality to continue layering talent on the roster. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So if you if you thought they would add something extra, Connor, what do you think it could be? I don't know, like another, um, you know, like another wide receiver, or mm-hmm. you know, like a, a high end. You know, Greg Olson is good, right? But maybe like you know one of those flex tight ends. You know, if one of these teams is struggling to develop somebody there, like you look at Tampa Bay, and you know, are they going to be able to house two of these guys? Cleveland has two of these great tight ends, and while that fits their style offense you know could they be able to develop somebody else I know they have a third tight end that they like there too so I don't know I mean it's one of those interesting scenarios where you wonder if like there's something else up his sleeve too because at some point your head coach is 68 years old or uh, I think at least 68 years old and you have to be wondering okay like how much longer are we going to be almost as good to get back to the Super Bowl like at some point we have to fully completely sell out to make this happen yeah I will say there's been a lot of conversation. Is this the year that Russell Wilson finally gets an MVP vote? Um, which deservedly so. I mean, I think you can look at the voting records and say, wow, it's crazy that this player has never gotten a vote. But I will say I voted for the last couple of years and, you know, it's really difficult. Like there's mm-hmm. always four or five players with six weeks to go and that you could imagine winning the MVP. And you think, how will I possibly choose? And then ultimately in week 17, the decision becomes clear. And like, for instance, last season, that was Lamar Jackson. Totally. Like it would have been impossible not to vote for Lamar Jackson last season. Patrick Mahomes the season before. And so I I think this idea that someone has never gotten an MVP vote is held up as some sign of disrespect when really it's not. Like it's just this incredibly hard award to win that 
honors a single player in the NFL every year. And yeah. so there's always going to be tough decisions and there's always going to be a second place candidate that is almost in every way as deserving as the person who does win it. So, but yeah, maybe this is his year. I mean, if you're voting now, yeah, but <laughs> it's week two, so we'll see. I, I, I did think that a lot, right? And, you know, I think that's one of those things that's a great point. Like last year, Lamar Jackson's the MVP. Like, and there's there's all these like arguments that can be made or the, you know, but I think that MVP voters, including the one that I'm talking to now, take this hyper seriously. There's no line of nuance that is not... Uh, poured over in this argument and you know he's just always been very good um, and there's been players that have just been the best in that given year and so Mm -hmm. maybe this is your time to go out and take it and that would be exciting because that division is going to be a blast Um, there are so many um, you know the Cardinals are so much fun to watch this year uh, and it wouldn't it be great to just see him sort of run out ahead of the rest of that group um, and and bring the Seahawks into the playoffs deep into the playoffs and with this new idea like you and I covered Brian Schottenheimer this was not a Brian Schottenheimer offense like he's doing things that Brian Schottenheimer has never done before and all of it's you know it's just new it's exciting and you know I I would love it if Russell Wilson took the mantle this year Yeah, and I think I slipped up a little earlier when I said the frustrations of Wilson. I didn't mean of Wilson. I meant of how the offense is schemed around him. So just to clarify that. For sure. Um, All right, so news topic number five. Your NFL passing leader, not in touchdowns, but yards, is uh, Josh Allen. Surprised. Uh, so were the Dolphins and the Jets this uh, these last two weeks, allowing an average QB rating of 141, completion percentage right around 70, and six touchdowns. Um, if we would have taken a bet back in 2018 over which of these NFL teams, the Bills, the Jets, the Cardinals, and the Browns, would have developed the best and most consistent QB of that class, who would have thrown money down on Buffalo? Not me. I am also surprised, Connor. I, am, I will freely admit this. I've I am, been a little bit off. Yeah. And I mean, the offense is designed beautifully. And now this is a team that I will say you approach this with a slight bit of caution, right? You played the Jets in week one and you played a Dolphins team in week two that has a bad secondary or mm-hmm. a, a good secondary. They invested a lot of uh, money into it, but players are banged up. Players are hurt. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you play the Rams this week. Is that Aaron Donald and 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 Jalen Ramsey? Is that going to become a more difficult thing for him? I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. Like, are we buying too high on the Bills right now, or is this really what Bills fans keep telling us it is every year? Like, this is the coming of another great quarterback. Yeah. And the quarterback of that class that is in the best situation is the one that was drafted at the end of the round, Lamar. But of the top four, uh, you know, of the top 10 in that class, the four quarterbacks that went in the top 10, yeah, I would not have predicted this. And um, I feel like the Bills have done a really good job. I think part of it is you think, oh, he's being drafted to a team with a defensive head coach, so the development won't be as good there. But it's a stable organization. They have made a really smart offensive coordinator hire with Brian Dable, and it's really worked. And Allen continues to take steps forward. I agree with you, Connor. I am curious to see what happens after week two, after facing just a small sample size of these two defenses. Um, But, yeah, I have... 
been slow to come around or have confidence in Josh Allen. So, so far I'm wrong. I'm also wrong. I like helped a neighbor draft uh, a fantasy football team and I was like, don't Stefan Diggs. It's not going to happen. Let's leave him on the board here and let's go in a different direction. Uh, and I was very just down on that. And all of a sudden, like I'm having to explain myself a little bit. Like I did not think that he, when they required him, I thought, okay, well, he'll be double. Josh Allen's not gonna be able to fit the ball in there. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm looking a little bit silly, but I will say the nice thing about the, the bills is surges. I think that, um, two quality head coaching candidates are going to come out of this. You mentioned Dable, who I think is a, is a guy who only interviewed for the Browns job last year, but I think is in line for some more. But also Leslie Frazier, who mm-hmm. definitely deserved another shot after that disaster in Minnesota and the way that that ended. I mean, he got that team to the playoffs with Christian Ponder, and then I think had to start Joe Webb in their playoff game because of yeah. all the injuries they had. That's a guy that, you know, he calls the defense on Sundays. You know, it's not like he's just, you know, a figurehead in that organization. So I think they have a a lot of talent on that coaching staff and I think a lot of good will come out of a good Bills season so I'm all for them proving us wrong in our uh, preseason predictions yeah yeah we've been a little bit too low on the Bills and Josh Allen so I know I'm doing the power rankings right now and I'm like I'm a little scared of Bills fans like I have to admit they, they've they've gotten to me a little bit I'm rattled so <laughs> I'm seeing ghosts as Sam Darnold might say <laughs> seeing ghosts. all right so what do we have for the Oracle this week Connor Uh, The name that we're all going to be talking about all week and I think is going to be really fascinating is Devonta Freeman, uh, who is still on the uh, free agent market, the former uh, Falcons running back who they signed to that big long-term extension and had some injury issues there. But it's going to be really interesting because not only uh, we heard Vic Fangio talk about this in Denver, but if you're looking for an emergency replacement, um, especially kind of a bigger name guy, Uh, You have to go through all the COVID protocols. You know, there's travel issues there. And I think that um, a lot of uh, we're going to be talking about Devonta Freeman a lot, not only because the Giants worked him out, but I think maybe some other teams might throw their hat into the ring there to try to get him um, uh, because of all the injuries and the way that they're happening. But I think we'll get a good look, too, at how chaotic it really is when you're trying to bring in somebody who's not on your practice squad and, and make all that stuff happen right away. Right, especially this year, yeah, trying to bring in a new player midseason. I like that one. That's a good oracle. Yeah, and it was one of those things where, um, like, uh, I think it was last week I did a story on why teams should not cut their kickers after having a bad game, and it's interesting how many teams have utilized one of their extra practice squad spots on a kicker to keep the competition up in practice and then to avoid having to fly in all these kickers for workouts. But if you're a team like the Giants, who I didn't realize only have two other running backs on the roster, they only have Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis, like you're going to have to bring somebody in. And, you know, how crazy is that whole process going to be? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Strange year in terms of player acquisitions for sure as well as everything else. Um, all right, my Brenda's consensus this week is how good do all of the new uniforms look now that we're <laughs> seeing them live in games? I know this is kind of lame because we spent a good chunk of the offseason discussing the uniform teams, but they all look so good. I mean, the worst ones are the ones that just don't look that different. Like I would say the Browns just don't look that different. Uh, the Buccaneers don't look that different. But like... 
for instance, the Patriots on Sunday Night so Football. So That one did not get a lot of pop, but I think we didn't realize how much they needed a uniform upgrade. Mm-hmm. The Patriots won championships in a uniform that was very meh. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just kind of, it looked outdated. It looked maybe a little bit faded. They really popped on Sunday Night Football. I mean, obviously the Chargers, who we all gushed over. But even the Rams that I showed a little bit of skepticism about, mm-hmm. the Rams looks really good on the field. Who was on that, fir- who was on that first? Or Come on. the Tastemaker. Come I on. have to give you credit. Now, or is always out ahead. Light years. Now, let me ask you, though. What about the Falcons? Because we, we were yeah, very we down on it. that. But I do think I noticed it less. And oddly, like... Yeah. The television thing comes into play in some way, shape, or form. Like, mm-hmm. I think the TV makes the Rams uniforms look better. And I think that TV yeah. made the Falcons uniforms look a little bit better, too. I do, too. I didn't mind the Falcons uniforms. I was skeptical of them going into the season as well, like, kind of meh on those. But I thought they looked pretty good. So, yeah, I do think the TV helps. I also have to say that, like, SoFi Stadium, where the Chargers and the Rams have both played already, like, that looks that stadium is beautiful and looks like a video game simulation all of the time. And so of course the uniforms look good there. But even seeing the Rams like play in Philadelphia, like this really like bright your eyes are drawn to them. I don't know. SoFi Stadium it. is like your friend's parents growing up who had the pool with the LED mood lighting. You know what I'm saying? <gasps> and so everything wow. everything looked better there. You know, like, and I guess by extension. Did you extension- have dates there? Is that what you're trying to come around to here, Connor? <laughs> no, I never dated anyone that had a pool. So. Okay. And it, unfortunately, you know, sometimes in the summer, um, that would have been a nice, nice little move there, you know, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I had friends who had the, you know, there was the grotto, you know, and the whole thing where there's like the lights that went into the, do you know what I'm talking about here? Like it made the water look purple or, you know, or a different color. Vaguely, yeah. Yeah. I I didn't know anyone who had a house like that. Yeah. Uh, And and I think that's what SoFi Stadium does for the Rams. It's like, it just, it brings up everything just like a notch, you know, it makes the water Mm -hmm. look cleaner, uh, like the pool, you know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So big thumbs up to the uniform debuts in 2020. Good job, everybody. Yeah, it added a little spice, I thought. It was something a little different. I know. And if you're the poor Jets, you know, I think you got to go back to the drawing board and, and get... It, theirs looked worse somehow now. And maybe that's just like playing by extension, but I love them when they came out. And now it's like that new car syndrome where as soon as you get it off the lot, you see like 10 new cars that you like better than the one that you just bought. You know? Right. So I think that might be the situation there for the Jets, unfortunately. I didn't have that. I liked my car and I still do. 10, 10 years later? No, my gosh, uh, 13 years later. We just got rid of mine. 10 years, 160,000 miles, uh, uh, countless flat tires from New Jersey to Foxborough. Um, it, was a, it was a real battle axe of a car, and it will be missed. Mazel. Mazel, yeah, absolutely. Well... Another exciting week. We'll be back next week with more discussion of uh, week three. But yeah, it's been a fun season so far, Connor. I'm glad we uh, have this forum to discuss it. I'm all in. And uh, be sure to um, send us some emails. We're going to do another uh, grab bag show at some point. So weeksidepod at gmail.com. And also, I think it's going to be next week. So stay tuned. We're going to have some exciting announcements about, um, you know, some different things that are going on with the show. All good things. All things that uh, we will continue to add and develop um, for the program. So uh, definitely stay tuned because a lot of exciting things are happening.
Absolutely. The MMQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Vrentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Moravik is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.